speak loud enough? Maybe. Grab your Bibles tonight. We're going to be uh, in the Old Testament. We are going to be in the book of Judges. Judges chapter 10. We'll be there in just a moment. Let me get my water. So we're continuing our series, God Is. We looked at God is extraordinary, God is ordinary, and then this week, God is involved. Now we live in a time when everything is taken to the extreme, and that includes rejection. But a guy in the UK took rejection to a completely ridiculous extreme. This man became jealous after his wife rejected him by having an affair with the co-worker, so that it makes sense that he's not in a good mood. And so to get revenge, he put this woman up for sale on eBay, along with this photo. He put her up for sale on eBay. The ad said he would sell his cheating, lying, adulterous, slag wife, that's all in quotes, to the highest bidder. Even with that description and this beautiful photo of this woman, bids reached just shy of $1 million. Yeah. Can I tell you guys the time about uh, about time when I got rejected? Yeah. 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 It's, yeah. yeah. Some of you may be, um, yeah. So travel back in time with me to, to, to summer of, it's June 1999. None of y'all are alive, except for like my leaders. Dictate. You weren't even alive, were you? What, what year were you born? You know what year you were born? 98. Okay, so you're a wee little lad. Okay. How old were you in, in 99, summer 99? 17? I was nine. Nine. Whatever. All right. I'm in Abilene, Texas. I'm at uh, the university. Nobody cares. I'm at that's that's this is her 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 hometown. I was I was at the University of Hardin Simmons for a church camp. I was there. This is me. This is this is an actual picture of me looking like a boss at church camp. Makes sense. Okay. Those are my basketball shoes that I wore for basketball. So the season was over. I got to keep them. Give me some Reeboks. They got my WWJD bracelets through the shoelaces because I was that guy, okay? Yeah, that's me right there in high school. You're welcome. That fine specimen right there. Yeah. So this is it's called Trooper Summer Camp. This camp is designed for leaders in the youth ministry, right? Like those students who exemplify leadership traits and abilities or wanting to be a leader, um, like, that would be kids who, who volunteer a lot in the church, people who lead student ministry, or like in the praise team, the leaders in our ministry. That's kind of who this camp was for. Um, by this time, I had already felt God's call in my life to become a youth pastor, so I was kind of already in this track, if you will, of being a leader. And so I got to go to this camp, and my first one to go to, um, we just got into camp. I was at camp. We were, so we got broken up into circle group or family groups within our, our color group. So you had different colors, yellow orange, different things like that, for whatever grade you're in. So then you got put into family groups. Uh, so I get into this family group. Um, my cousin Tracy from my church is in the group with me. <clears throat> and then everybody else, the other 10 other people, however there were, I didn't know. 
So we're sitting there kind of in the circle, going in, you know, around introducing ourselves. Hey, this is our name. This is where we're from, whatever. We don't have to say the grade because we're all in the same grade together. And um, so I lean forward, and a girl down the way leans forward, and we lock eyes, and we smile, and there we go. So we, we hung out a lot, me and this girl, the church camp girl, um, hung out a lot of camp, spent time talking to her, and we became pretty close by the end of the week. By the end of the week, I knew what I had to do, right? So she lived like six hours away, and I lived here in Midland. I'm like, I got to shoot my shot, right? So I talked to this girl. I'm like, hey, you should be my girlfriend, although you live six hours away, and there's nothing to do about that. Um, and guess what she said? She said no. That's right. She said no. My little freshman heart was just ripped out of my chest as I rode back to Midland, devastated at what... What could have been, what I know would have been like the world's greatest romance of six hours away for freshmen in high school. I knew it was going to be the most beautiful thing ever. Movies will probably be written about us, realistically. All right? I just thought this was going to be great. But uh, I got rejected. It's just beautiful. While you, while you probably never tried to sell an X on eBay, maybe, I don't know, you may have, we understand the desire to call someone a cheater or a liar or worse, because we know what it's like to be rejected, right? But have you ever thought about whether God experiences rejection? The surprising answer is that He has. We often talk in church about how God is love, but today we're going to go even further about talk about how God loves. And as we do, we're going to see that God is affected when He is rejected by His people. So again, we're in Judges chapter 10. We're going to kind of dig in to kind of see this, this truth here. So here's the book of Judges. Give you guys a little bit of background. Remember, context is key. There we go. You guys will get that one of these days. Book of Judges. It revolves. It's like a cycle. It's very cyclical. Same things happen over and over in this book. So the Israelites, they would rebel against God. They would typically follow the gods. Yes, chapter 10. I thought he was just doing this like a double high five to me. Like, you got rejected, right? Yeah. Um... So they, you know, they would rebel against God typically by following the other gods of the nations around them. And then God would judge them and he would allow those, the, the nation of Israel to be overtaken by neighboring nations. And then the pain and the suffering that came with those occupations by other people caused the Israelites to cry out to help for God. And then God would send judges to lead the people both militarily with power and might and stuff and then spiritually. And then they would follow God for a time, and then they would start this cycle all over again. We have people like Deborah, or Gideon, or Samson, or Jephthah. Those are some of the judges we see in the book of Judges. What? Me? Ehud? Ehud? That guy was fun. It's a cool story. He's left-handed, stabbed a guy that's so fat, sore, got stuck in his stomach. It's great. And then all the stuff fell out. Anyways... It's in the Bible. Don't get mad at me. It's in the Bible. But today's passage tells how the Israelites rebelled against God. And the first word of verse 6 reminds us of the cycle they were in. So look at Judges 10, starting in verse 6. The people of Israel again, so again, showing how stupid they were. The people of Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals and the Ashtaroth, the gods of Syria, the gods of Sidon, the gods of Moab, the gods of the Ammonites, and the gods of the Philistines. 
And they forsook the Lord and did not serve him. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. And he sold them into the hand of the Philistines and into the hand of the Ammonites. And they crushed and oppressed the people of Israel that year. For 18 years, they oppressed all the people of Israel who were beyond the Jordan in the land of the Amorites, which is in Gilead. And the Ammonites crossed the Jordan to fight, against, to fight also against Judah and against Benjamin and against the house of Ephraim. So that Israel was severely distressed. Remember, this is, this is the book of Judges. It's right after it's Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, right? So this is shortly after they got into the promised land. They've already forgotten the promise they were going to make to God, the covenant they made. And they split up the nation into 12 tribes, right? Each, each of the 12 sons and their families got certain sections of Israel. So you have like the, the nation or the, the family of Judah. You see they're in Benjamin and Ephraim, right? So these guys all have their own sections of land. And this is kind of what it's talking about here. Well, let's pick up. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord saying, We have sinned against you because we have forsaken our God and have served the Baals. And the Lord said to the people of Israel, that I not save you from the Egyptians, you idiots, and from the Amorites and the Ammonites and from the Philistines. The Sidonians also and the Amalekites and the Mayanites oppression. You cried out to me and I saved you out of their hand. These people are not good at remembering anything. Yet you have forsaken me and served other gods. Therefore I will save you no more. Go and cry out to the gods whom you have chosen. Let them save you in the time of your distress. When the people of Israel said to the Lord, we have sinned. Do to us whatever seems good to you. Only please de deliver us this day. So they put away the foreign gods from among them and served the Lord. And he became impatient over the misery of Israel. So there in your small group, I want you guys to look at that question. How did the Israelites rebel? Every time I see that, I think of Baal. 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 Because you would stress that second syllable, Baal. Baal. All right. So they they serve two main gods of Canaan, the Baals or the Baals, if you want to get more closely in line, and the Ashtaroth. And then they began to serve the gods of neighboring countries. In the book of Judges, there's this verse in there that if you just want to sum up the entire book of Judges, it's, it's in there. It says they forsook the Lord and did not serve him. That's pretty much the entire forsook the Lord and did not serve him. That's pretty much the entire book of Judges in a nutshell right there. That or, that or you could have written like they're idiots. Either one of those would be just fine. You know, this is, this is how they live. The ebbs and the flows of this book is just like this verse. So let me ask you this, this real quick. Have you ever thought about God's feelings? If you haven't, this passage will possibly make you do that. Once again, the Israelites rebelled against God and they served foreign gods. And once again, God judged them and allowed them to be conquered. That was nothing new. It happened throughout the era of the judges and actually throughout all of time. And once more, the Israelites called out to God for help. So in, in your group again, I want you to talk about how did God respond to the Israelites' rebellion? All right. So, so but this time we see this in, in Scripture. We get a stirring picture of how God felt about it. When the Israelites called out for help, 
God's reply is that of a lover who's been wounded like the dude who threw his wife up on eBay. He says in verses 13 and 14, you can look there, <coughs> but you have forsaken me and served other gods, so I will no longer save you. Go, and shoo, go and cry out to the gods that you've chosen. Let them save you when you're in trouble. I'm tired of dealing with you, almost like a parent, right? This is not what we expect God to say. We expect God to like reach out in mercy and you know, to forgive his people because he always offers grace, right? Or we expect God to show his extraordinary power to judge his people. But we certainly don't expect God to kind of show this kind of emotion. But emotion, though, is exactly what we find here in this passage. God sounds like the, the repeated betrayal of his people hurts him. That's what it sounds like. He sounds like he can't take any more from them. And it's where God sounds like someone who's been rejected just one too many times. And you see this again, if you ever read the book of Hosea, it's a pretty crazy story about this. It's a, it's a minor prophet, not like in importance, but in length. The book of Hosea is about this, this prophet named Hosea. God's like, hey, so I want you to um, go marry this woman um, because my people have been unfaithful to me. And your relationship with this woman is going to be um, symbolic of the relationship that I have with Israel. So he's like, here, here's a woman you're going to marry. Her name is Gomer, which is whatever, that's fine. But she's a prostitute and continues to be one after they get married. You're like, this is how the nation of Israel treats me. That's, there's some emotion going on there, right? So like, it's, it's a crazy story kind of. You know, encourage you guys to maybe check it out. But I want you guys to remember what we've studied so far in this series. We have seen that God is extraordinary beyond anything that we can imagine, that God is ordinary, and He's not what the Jewish people, and probably or us, were expecting their Messiah to be like. And tonight, the focus is that God is involved with us. That He's not some cosmic force in the sky, the big man upstairs, I hate that phrase, who isn't concerned about whether or not we keep our promises to Him. He cares and it matters to him. You know, when can you say two opposite things and be truthful with both of those statements? You know, one time this happens after a breakup, right? I've experienced a few of these in my life, okay? When we get dumped, we kind of usually respond in two ways. I never want to see you again, right? I never, you know, something like that. We also say, I want you to take me back, right? We can say one of these things in one moment and the other thing in the other moment and still mean both of them, right? And there's and the thing is that's because you and I were emotional. Not like a bad way, but we are emotional creatures. We're created to have emotion. And there's not anything wrong with those emotions, but far too often at church camp and things like that, disciple now this weekend, we mistake emotion as a sign of God or God himself. But emotions, they'll come and go, but God will always remain constant and always be the same. Don't allow your emotions to dictate your walk with God. Like, oh man, I felt so close and I was just crying, I was weeping and this, and you think that that is always going to be God, but it may not be God, it may just be Stephen Furtick's keyboard player playing the keyboards too loud and then he's preaching. We, we try to, we, we, we drum up these big emotion things and that's, we're we're looking for those and not for the God who's the God of emotions. But, you know, breakups, they affect us in such a way that our emotions are going to swing from one side to the other. And so, paradoxically, both, I never want to see you again, and I want you to take me back, 
or heartfelt statements even though they're opposite statements, right? Of course, God is both merciful and he can acknowledge that he's hurt. He can still love us even though we cause him pain. Bianca, Patrick, your parents, you can still love your kids even when they're causing pain. As Patrick is glaring at Cooper right now. When you cause them pain, right? But right, I mean, we could, we're going to love our kids even when they're being turds, even when they're being disrespectful or rude or whatever it may be. That's, this is how God is, right? So I want to look at this a little bit harder at this concept. In the, in the emotion of this passage, we discover that, that God is involved, right? He has chosen to reveal his feelings to us so that he can share his love with us. And he allows himself to be moved by our betrayal so that he can experience intimacy with us. And he shows extraordinary love in ordinary ways so that we can come close to him in love. And so because of this great love for us, God opens himself up to be rejected. Whereas merciful love is ignored or it's rebuffed, God feels it. It grieves his heart. And this is, this is a stunning truth for you and I to realize. You know, we think of God as above us and beyond us, and he is, yes, but God is affected when he is rejected by us. I mean, just look at the world around you that you live in. Less and less people are claiming to be followers of Jesus. In 1953, 98% of Americans believed in God. 98%, 1953. That number stayed pretty constant for a while. They did this survey every 10 years, and it stayed 98% every time they did it for quite a while. And then 2011, they started doing these a little bit more often. 2011, uh, the number was 92%, so it dipped a little bit. 89% in 2016. As of 2022, which was last year, if you're not good at math, 81%. That's a drop of 18%. It's quite a bit. It may not seem like a lot to you, but it's pretty telling. And the biggest drop from 2017 to 2022, that's five years, are people 18 to 29-year-olds. They don't have stats. They don't interview people younger than 18, so that's as young as it goes. But I imagine it's probably the same, if not more, for your peers who don't believe in God anymore. Would you agree? Looking around your schools... Would you agree that the number of people who believe in God are probably less now than it was a few years ago? I, I would argue probably so. People your age are less likely to believe in God than they would have when I was growing up, that's for sure. And keep in mind that with this lesson of, of God being involved, they asked those who, who do believe in God on whether God hears their prayers and whether God in, intervenes when people pray. And of those, this is, remember again, this is people who do believe in God. They are followers of Jesus, or they say they're Christians, whatever. 42%, less than half, say that God does hear their prayers and that he does intervene. Less than half of people who claim to follow Jesus. That's not great. And then you have 28% of people that are, again, people who say they believe in God, said God hears prayers but cannot intervene. And he can hear them, but he's, there's nothing he can do about it. And 11% of people claim to believe in God, believes that he can do nothing. 
that he can't hear them or intervene. 11% of people who claim to believe in God believe that God cannot hear you when you pray nor intervene when you pray. That's that's one out of every 10 followers. I mean, I think there's 10 of you guys, 10, 10 students here. So that means one out of the 10 of you believes that this isn't true, but hopefully not. But one out of the 10 of you believes that God, whenever you pray, he cannot hear you and he cannot intervene in your life. That's does that not startle anybody else but myself? I need you guys to get this tonight. God is involved in your life. So in your groups, I want you guys to discuss that. Why do you think God is affected when he is rejected? Why do you think God is rejected? <clears throat> All right, so we see that that God is affected when he's he's rejected, right? But thankfully, he doesn't stop there. This God who's involved is also forgiving. And so we see this at the end of today's passage. When the Israelites asked him to rescue them, it says he could bear their misery no longer and forgave them because they fully turned from their idolatry. He sent a, son, I mean a judge named Jephthah to deliver them from the Philistines and the Ammonites. And the forgiveness and restoration that we see here are what we see from God throughout the rest of the Bible as well. To say that God is involved means that God is intensely personal. He's not just the creator of the system or the manager of the information. Instead, he stoops low and he gets involved in our lives. And often when we talk about this, we talk about the huge implications that this has for us. Because it allows us to have hope in the midst of despair. It allows us to have peace in the midst of the storm. It allows us to have joy in the midst of sorrow. It allows us to experience life in the midst of death. But this has implications for God as well. God coming close and being personal means that God is risking rejection. If God is involved in what we do actually affects the creator of the universe. Something to think about. If God is involved, then God is affected when he is rejected. So does the fact that God is involved mean life will be peachy all the time? It will not be great. It will not be fantastic 100% at all times. No, life hurts, right? When the Bible tells us that Satan has power, he has dominion over the entire earth. And as long as he does, life will not always be sunshine and rainbows. But sometimes life goes our way. Sometimes. <clears throat> Take you back to that story of the church camp girl who rejected me. Well, so I went to student life camp. So that was super summer. I went to student life camp, which we've been to. Um, like just a couple weeks later, this was a camp for the entire youth group. Um, and there I found myself, my church camp girlfriend. And uh, and uh, so, what? What? No, that's different church camp, different girl. Um so, like, take that first church camp girl. I got myself a new church camp girlfriend. Yeah, that's pretty much, that's how I live my life. I was not great. Yeah, I was that guy. I was that guy. Don't, don't be like me. Um, and I told you that before. Don't be like me. I've told um, And so this girl said yes. And so, uh, yeah. So, but then we broke up because, you know. I was still stupid because this other girl lived closer, but she's only five hours and not six hours away. Um, 
And so we ended things at the end of that summer. Um, but whatever. But I kept in touch with first church camp girl over the years. Uh, she lived east of Dallas. So when I would go with my family or my church to Six Flags, we'd meet up and hang out. Even went to Six Flags one time on gay day before we we knew that it was going to be gay day. We were pulling up and people out there like protesting all these things. And I'm like, you're going to stand by me all day long today. Um, so whatever. We both had significant others in our lives. I started dating a girl um, the spring of my 10th grade year and we dated um, until like the spring of my, my senior year and we broke up. Another girl had this guy that she dated for a little over about a year and a half. And then we found out that we broke up with our significant peoples or whatever, like within a day of each other. So we started like getting on. We would always chat through like instant messenger. You guys know what that is? No. Um, using calling cards. Yeah, I got a bunch of, yeah. So that's how we would stay in touch. Um, after high school, after graduation, I went and spent a week with her and her family. Uh, she came down and helped me. I ran the merch booth for Toby Mac for his merch at Rock the Desert. So I needed some helpers. So she came and, and visited and helped me run that that weekend. Um, so, yeah, so while we had, you know, she came and helped me out, those those feelings of first church camp kind of came back. Huh? I don't know. He came several years. Um, so those feelings started coming back for first church camp girl. Let me fast forward to May 31st, 2003, when church camp girl who rejected me said I do on a blazing hot summer day. That's, I just have this little thing here. Leave me alone. I look good. I was 19. What do you want me to do? I was 19. First church camp girl was Jennifer. That rejected me. Yeah. Yeah. See? Look at this. It is a beautiful story. Anyways, and so, yeah, I had to rope in and look at that. It came back. And so, it was hot, it was crazy, whatever. But here's the thing, it wasn't on my time that this happened. Because we could have dated whatever, how that would have worked. And more than likely, we probably would have broken up between now and between, you know, freshman year and senior year. And then the life that I have now would probably never have happened, realistically, right? I'm pretty off, you know. And so God knew what he was doing. And so here we are, married 20 years, three Three okay kids, um, two great kids, and one not so great. I'll let you figure out which one. I'll tell you figure it out. Um, but God is good, is what I'm saying. And so I was rejected, but God is involved in our lives. We don't even know it, working these things. And it took from freshman year, like the summer between eighth and ninth grade year, and then after high school before, you know, made the connection. And now it's at 20 years later. Um, so you can talk about my wife and tell her you heard the story and how you were grossed out because of it or whatever. But God is involved. That means he's doing work to reconcile us back to him. In the person of Jesus, we have the way to get back to God. He's not like the stories of the false gods and goddesses of ancient Greece who operated like bratty humans and with more power, basically. No, this, our God, he's constantly pursuing us in the extraordinary and of the ordinary. He's working together all things for our good. Smile, because that's not me saying that. Scripture saying that. He works things all, all things together for our good because he loves us and he cares about our lives. 
Because God is affected when he's rejected. He loves us so much that he wants us, that he wants to be the primary love in our lives. You think about how amazing this love is. Just, just imagine, try to imagine how much God loves us. So let's be people who commit to God. Let us be wholehearted people. Let us follow God as our one and only God. Let us accept the love of our God who is deeply and intimately involved every day of our lives. Let's pray. God, we just uh, thank you for the chance to, to see that you are involved in our lives, that you're not too far off and you're not so far gone that you don't desire to, to be part of our lives. God, may we believe that. May we make you a part of our lives, allow you to be a part of our lives. God, may we see what you're doing. May we understand that things are happening behind the scenes that we don't understand, that things may not happen in our timeline or in, in our plans, God, but you still redeem all things and work things together for your good. God, and I see that in my own life um, with Jennifer. God, I just thank you for that. Thank you for the kids that are here. I pray that they leave here and continue just to think through these things, that they uh, continue just to, to believe and understand that uh, you are involved and um, that, that you desire our love and affection right back. That you desire that intimacy and that relationship with each one of us. Just, I pray that we, we find ways each day just to um, just spend time with you and just to, be, to turn closer to you. In your name I pray. Amen.